Church Bath. It is so good to be with you this morning. It's, it's been a while, and I'm just so excited to share with you, to be with you. Um, this is a special day for my family, um, because this day, my firstborn, Ethan, was born. And today, he's 22 years old, and I just want to shout out to you, Ethan, you are an incredible young man. We are so proud of you. You are intensely loyal. You are so, you're a man of integrity. You're so gifted and intelligent. I have no idea where he got that from. It's definitely not James and I, but we love you. Happy birthday, my boy. All right, I had to. Oh, Dad says it's him. Anyway. <laughs> so what do I do with this mask? I'll just shove it there. Guys, um, those of you who know me, when I preach or when I speak, usually what I do is I spend hours preparing. I'm just one of those geeks who like to cross-reference and get the root meaning of the Hebrew word, and I usually have 10 pages of notes, and, and that's what I do. But this morning, I want to do something very different, something that is not me, but I really feel that the Father's calling me to do it this morning. Um, and in doing so, I want to welcome you all on a journey that I've been on as a family. I want to be very vulnerable with you. Um, I want to take you on this journey that I've been on. Um, but before I begin, I want you to know that I'm in a good place. I am more in love with Jesus than I've ever been. I am full of hope for what God is doing, what is happening around the world. That might sound crazy, but that's what I feel. So I'm in a good place. But that wasn't where I was in the summer of 2020. And um, Dom's going to play uh, a poem by Laura Connor for you. And just have a little listen to this poem, and it kind of describes where I was at. I read about a man getting drowned once. His friends thought he was waving to them from the sea, but really he was drowning. And then I thought that in a way, it is true of life too, that a lot of people pretend, out of bravery really, that they are very jolly and ordinary sort of chaps. But really they do not feel at all at home in the world or able to make friends easily. So then they joke a lot and laugh, and people think they're quite all right and jolly nice too. But sometimes a brave pretense breaks down, and then, like the poor man in this poem, they are lost. Not waving, but drowning. That can sound quite dramatic, but um, if I'm being very real, that's, what, that's where I was at. Um, and you might think, Janine, how on earth did you get to that stage? You know, here's the, the, the leader who speaks on boundaries. I've done this at ladies' meetings. I've got an awesome message about boundaries, by the way. Um, but somehow, in the, the busyness of life and the weight of responsibility that I felt... I, I just lost my sense of my boundaries, and um, my physical, um, I physically was starting to struggle, um, my health wasn't good, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And 
you know, if you didn't notice, don't worry, neither did my husband. I was quite good at even hiding how desperate I felt, how exhausted I felt from James. And until one night when um, I had a meltdown and it all came out. And I just want to say I am so grateful for the team here. They were incredible. They were so gracious. They came around me. They loved me well. Um, I'm so grateful for my husband who um, said, Janine, because I was signed off um, medically by the doctor for four months, and, and James just said, Janine, I'll take everything from you. You just rest. And so I began this journey of what it looked like to... Um, just refocus and, you know, the whole reset and get back into falling in love with Jesus. And this was not an easy process for me. You know, Paul Wakely spoke last week, and I'm part of the Paul Wakely Club that just really struggles to sit still. My mother-in-law, I drive her crazy because I'm always busy doing things. She even suggested once that I take up knitting, which was quite hilarious. So, yeah, it didn't happen. But I, I really don't like sitting still unless there's a really good movie available. But um, I started this journey, and in the beginning, I was, I was even too tired to read the Word of God. I had no desire. I'm being really real, guys. I had no desire to read the Word. I didn't really even want to be in worship. I watched quite a few hours of Chicago Med on Netflix, which I'm quite embarrassed to admit, but that's what it is. I'm one of those crazy people who likes medical stuff with lots of blood and stuff. But anyway, that relaxed me. And um, so that's what I did. And, um, but after a couple of months, I had just this yearning to be in the presence again. And I would just lie and soak and listen to worship. And... In one of these moments, I had this beautiful encounter where the father reminded me of when my children were little. And when it was winter time, what we used to do is we used to tuck them in and say to them, snug as a bug in a rug. You know, it's just a silly thing we said. And, but what happens is, as you're tucking your kids in, it's actually quite ticklish. So they would wriggle and squirm, and, and then I would say to them, no, 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 you need to stay really still for mommy to tuck you in, otherwise there's going to be air pockets. And so they would have to stay really, really still. And as I was reminded of this, the father said to me, Janine, this is what is happening to you in this season. You are lying still, and I am tucking you in. My child, I'm tucking you in, and I am reintroducing you to Jesus. And so this was the beginning of my journey. And what he revealed to me, because sometimes when you go through a really tough time like that, you, you begin to have these questions in the back of your mind. What's my purpose? What's my destiny? I'm struggling to dream. What are my passions? What do I even desire? And the father began to reveal to me that he had tied the knot of my destiny inside relationship with him. And I'm going to say that again for you guys. He has tied the knot of your destiny, your dreams, your passions, your desires, your wants, inside relationship with him. And in Colossians 3, verse 3, this is where it comes from. For you have died and your life is hidden in Christ with God. It's tied up in relationship with him. 
And so as I began to lie still, he began to reintroduce me to Jesus. Jesus, my source. And guys, I began to realize, you know, the government is not my source. My inheritance one day is not my source. Even the heart of friend is not your source. Only Jesus is your source. Jesus is our guide. The news every morning is not your guide. Even all the crazy prophetic stuff that's going around, and I love prophecy, but there's a whole lot of stuff out there on the sound waves. That is not your guide. Jesus is our guide. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. You know, if there's a sequence to that, you have to walk in Jesus' way in order to know the revelation of truth, in order to walk in abundant life. If we're not walking in Jesus' way, if we're walking in our own way, or we're listening to things and we're walking in that way, then we're not going to step into truth and actually live abundantly like he really desires for us to do. Jesus is our restorer. Only he can restore all that's been lost. He is our liberator. He is our healer. He is our peace. He is our hope. You know, I've been sitting in um, Psalm 27 I'm going to read from verse 14 in a moment, but just in the beginning of Psalm 27, it says, the Lord is my revelation light. He is my revelation to guide me along the way. He is my source, only him. He can defend me every day. I fear no one. I will never turn back from you, O Lord. Surround and protect me. He's our protector. Yes, the masks protect us, for sure, to a certain extent. And and yes, the vaccines do too. I'm not anti-vaccine. But ultimately, he is our protector. And if we go to verse 14, this is the Passion Translation. I think we're going to have it up in a moment. It says, here's what I've learned through it all. This is what I'd love us to be able to say at the end of all of this. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. You know, I was thinking about this. We have access to the fruits of the Spirit, so we can access patience. The enemy can't. He has no access to the fruits of the Spirit, so he is super impatient. And you can tell because he's throwing a whole bunch of crazy stuff around at the moment. But if we had to outstare the enemy, we would win. If we had to outstalk him, we would win because we have access to patience. And then it goes on to say, be entwined as one with the Lord. I love that. In Corinthians 1, it talks about we are enfolded in Christ. As we're enfolded, entwined in him, we become a new creation. And therefore, be brave and courageous. Never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting. He will never disappoint you. You know, I love the fact that last week, um, Rob in worship was talking about hope. And you know, the, the root meaning, here comes a little bit of my, I love doing this. The root meaning of that word hope in the Hebrew, kava, is it means a cord stretched in tension. A cord stretched in tension. A little story about that 
practically in our lives. Um, we were out in South Africa. We had just moved over. I was um, hugely pregnant with Finn, my middle son, who's now 19 and was my biggest baby. It was the middle of summer. Um, I used to lie on the bathroom floor just to get... Um, cool because I was so hot. And um, James and I decided, which is not very on trend in South Africa, to have a home birth. You know, most South African women have their gynae, they're on speed dial on their phones, and that's a fashionable thing to do. Um, they, they book in their C-sections, but I decided I wanted a home birth. So I had a a midwife who was absolutely wonderful. She was into some interesting new age um, stuff, but um, we had decided that part of this home birth was taking, um, was introducing Jesus to this lady. That was what we really had a heart for doing, is we wanted to show her Jesus' love. We wanted to show her that he's hope, he's everything. And so we started this journey with her. And then one day, um, we were close to my due date, and we were at the waterfront, which is in main town, Cape Town, and we were just hanging out there, and James had gone to pay for the parking, but he had forgotten the car keys, and I had this moment where I decided I would run after him, nine months pregnant, sprinting to give him um, the car keys. So, of course, that really did help my contractions and my labor to get going, which is great because I was ready for the baby to come. But we had to drive really quickly back to, back to the house. James was on a motorbike at the time, so I'm having contractions while driving. He's on a motorbike just hoping that Janine's going to get back home and not have the baby in the car. But you know what? I didn't. I got home. The midwife was waiting for us. And this is the thing. I was having contractions but there was no waters, no waters broke, which is quite key when you're having contractions. I won't get into the all nitty gritty for those squeamish people. But anyway, um, so I was doing my ironing, having my contractions, and the midwife is stressing out. She's like, oh, these waters need to break. We need to hurry it up. And James and I are like, yeah, but we really are hoping in God. We're trusting in him. We're waiting on his timing for this baby to arrive which she was like, okay, I, I respect that. But she, she was getting a little bit anxious. So on the first night at 12 o'clock of the first day of having contractions all day, she sends James out on his motorbike to buy a bottle of castor oil, a tub of vanilla ice cream, and a bottle of lemonade. And she made me, which I think is the old my, my wife's tale, a concoction of castor oil, lemonade, and, and ice cream. Took got me to take it and thought, if this, if this girl can go to the toilet, like, all through the night, this baby's going to come. Sorry to be graphic. But I've got a cast iron stomach. Nothing happened. The next morning came. No baby. No water's broken. So I get the other half of the castor oil. Still nothing happens. And she was, she was really getting concerned. And so James and I were, were feeling, like, this real sense of compassion for her concern. And so we said to her on the, on the second night you know what, it's half past seven. If the baby doesn't come by eight o'clock, you can intervene and break the waters. So James and I, my best friend, we go into the bathroom and James is commanding the waters to break in the name of Jesus and we're praying up a storm and this, this poor woman must have thought these are crazy people. Um, but once it got to about five to eight, I lay down on the bed and as I was laying down, her phone rang, she went to get her phone, and 
James felt the Holy Spirit say, you have spent so much time preparing your physical home and you haven't prepared your spiritual home for this baby in the way that I wanted you to. And James felt that, that conviction of the Spirit and he repented. As James repented, my waters broke. The midwife was just blown away. A few minutes later, Finn was born. As this Finn was born, she says, we just want to stop right now and thank Jesus for this miracle. She's not even a Christian. The other midwife comes in late. She wants to give me an injection for my placenta to come. The non-Christian midwife says, no, wait. This family waits on the Lord. Their hope is in him. Don't intervene. It's the right timing. And soon my placenta came. So there was this cord stretched in tension. We had the contractions, the pain. We were hoping in God, in his timing. And um, we had this midwife who was distressed. This cord stretched in tension. And so literally, I know that many of us are in the season. And while, while you're in the season, it's while you wait, as you are being stretched, as things feel like they're crumbling around you, as you find yourself in a place and a space that you never expected, as you perhaps process crippling loss, unending disappointment, seemingly unsurmountable griefs, as you stretched, knowing that things are not as they should be, pulled in that tension of knowing that which has been promised and that what is right now. Wait with hope, hope in the Lord, kavar. And let me be clear, biblical hope is not optimism. Biblical hope, um, I mean, optimism looks at your circumstances, but kavar is deeper. The kavar keeps your eyes transfixed on Jesus, our bridegroom. I'd love to read another scripture. This is from uh, 2 Corinthians. It's going to be up in a moment. And it says, now please, but I wear my glasses, otherwise I'll read it wrong. Now, please bear with some of my craziness for a moment. How many parents have said that to their kids recently? <laughs> yes, please be patient with me. I've said that too. So anyway, this is Paul, and this is what he's saying. You need to know that God's passion is burning inside of me for you. Because like a loving father, I have pledged your hand in marriage to Christ, your true bridegroom. I have also promised that I present his fiancée to him as a pure virgin bride. That's us. But now I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's clever lies, your thoughts may be corrupted and you may lose your single-hearted devotion and pure love for Christ. For you seem to gladly tolerate anyone who comes to you preaching a pseudo-Jesus, not the Jesus we have preached you have accepted a spirit and a gospel that is false rather than a spirit and gospel that you once embraced. How tolerant you have become of these imposters. You know, this really was such a sobering portion of scripture to me. I really feel that we as a body are in a beautiful moment where we can fix our eyes on Jesus, our bridegroom. And get, there's so much 
There's so many things vying for our attention at the moment. And what it's doing, it's warring for our attention, but it's pulling our affection away from Jesus. And he's desiring us to be this bride that is so in love with him. Our eyes fixed on him. He's doing something so different. And I really feel, and this is me being a bit prophetic, but you can weigh it that he's not doing this massive sovereign move anymore. But he's desiring to release revival over the earth, but he's doing it by co-laboring with his bride. There's a monumental shift happening in the church. Our prayers of God, turn up, God, please turn up, do it sovereignly. I believe those are prayers of the past. In this new era, and I believe it is a new era, not a new season, our prayers are ones asking about friendship and co-laboring and fellowship. As we convince that we're so united with the Father, we become one with him in spirit. He is about to put the weight of his power on his bride because the church is a lifestyle. It's not a location. It's a movement, it's not a destination. And he's moving in power through his glorious bride because he loves her so much. You know, I've been watching, um, as a family, we watched a documentary, I really recommend watching it. It's called Sheep Amongst Wolves. It's about the Iranian church. It's so powerful, it's so challenging. This church is the fastest growing church on the planet and it's mainly led by women. And as these women leave their homes every day and they walk out the door, they say, and this is what I've heard them in interviews say, you know what, we might not come back today because we might be raped, we might be tortured, we might be martyred, but we don't care because we are so in love with Jesus. This man in white that comes in and meets us, encounters us in our dreams, we are so in love with him. And the main thing that they learn to do is how to convert their executioners to the Lord. I want to read a quote that one of them said in an interview It said, if you are not crying, and this is crying tears of joy, if you are not crying tears of joy in your church because of the radical things that the Holy Spirit is doing, then there's a problem. Because people were so radicalized by what the Holy Spirit was doing in the book of Acts that they gave up everything. And that's what's missing in the West The power of the Holy Spirit that comes so deeply, so intimately, so transformatively. I was so challenged by that. That love, that passion for Jesus that transforms us into a pure virgin bride that we're not distracted by pseudo-Jesuses. We're walking in his way. You know, in Acts 2, verse 42 to 46, it talks about how the church, they gathered in each other's homes and they broke bread and they prayed and they they fellowshiped with one another. And it was from that place of fellowship that miracles and supernatural broke out amongst them. What if in this time, as we just come together in our homes, as we break bread and fellowship and have meals together, we begin to see the miraculous happen. We begin to see the supernatural just begin to 
be birthed like we wanted to see it happen. What if a bride transfixed with her, her eyes on Jesus? You know, last year we, we, in the autumn, we spoke about justice, and I'm not speaking about justice, um, but there was a scripture that came up from Micah 6 verse 8, which says, what does the Lord require of us to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before the Lord? And I want to take a moment to just really focus on humility. I can't, um, I can't ex- express or communicate how deeply I feel that this, us walking in humility is so essential during this time. You know, I'm not on social media. I came off it quite a few months ago. Um, Now and again, James tells me what's going on. And it just, it breaks my heart to see how brothers and sisters in the Lord attack one another on social media. It's not right. You see, humility is a requirement. In fact, when talking about the kingdom on the Sermon on the Mount, the very first thing that Jesus said was, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, this is all about humility. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are those who are not addicted to their own ideas, opinions, pride, and perspective. Blessed are those who know how much they need God and other people. Blessed are the humble, for theirs is the kingdom. You see, if you struggle with input and correction, if you hate to be challenged, if you refuse to hear about another person's perspective, if you refuse to admit to work on your own bias, if you focus on everybody else's needs to change except for you, If you secretly think you're more discerning, you're smarter, or you're more right than everybody else, or that you deserve more than someone else, then there's a humility problem. Humility is the gate to the path. Humility leads to healing. If only my people would humble themselves and pray, then I will heal their land. Humility leads to fulfillment, Look, about, look at Mary and um, Elizabeth. They walked humbly before the Father, and he used them as vessels to birth prophetic promises, to the fulfillment of prophetic promises that were spoken. Humility leads to purity. It leads to unity. Humility is the only way in. Unless we die to ourselves. You see, humility is so uncomfortable because it forces us to get out of the way. It's surrender, but humility opens the kingdom to us. Humility is the gateway into a whole other realm. If we wanna see his kingdom come in our lifetime, if we wanna see revival and his presence and his glory manifest in, the, in a radical way, we have to Walk in humility. You know the Lord's Prayer, we know it well. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we we say it, but when we say your kingdom come, what we're really saying is my kingdom needs to die in order for your kingdom to come. We're gonna have to put aside our pride, our agendas, 
our false idols to walk in true humility. This is what Jesus did. He surrendered all so that the Father's kingdom would be manifest on the earth. When you simplify your walk with him, when you look into his eyes, then you will become like him. You know, when we read our Bible, don't just read it for information, read it for transformation, so we can become more like Jesus. You know, um, further on in my journey, I had another encounter that I'd love to share with you all. I was in worship, and I was taken into a vision. And we were here in the forum, and it was packed. You were all here. All of you online now, you were all here with me. And it was my wedding day. And I was at the back, and I had my beautiful wedding gown on. And, and my bridegroom was Jesus. And he was waiting for me to walk down this aisle. And as I walked down, I was so transfixed by his gaze, I couldn't look to the left or to the right. I was just so in love. I couldn't wait to get down to him. And as I was, as I was making my way down the aisle, I heard him say to me in my spirit, Janine, I need you to do a cartwheel. I'm like, what? No way. I haven't done a cartwheel since I was a kid. He's like, no, no, I need you to trust me. Do you trust me? Yeah, I do, Jesus. I need you to do a cartwheel. But what if my, my, my wedding gown flies up and, you know, I'm, it's a bit immodest. Does somebody see something? He goes, it doesn't matter. I need you to do a cartwheel, Janine. Do you trust me? I was like, okay, Jesus, I trust you. So I did a very, very awkward, clumsy cartwheel. And, and, then, and then I somehow found myself on my feet again. And I started to walk a little bit further. And Jesus said to me, Janine, will you do a backflip? I'm like, there's no way. I'm so inflexible. He's like, okay, I'll help you. So Jesus left his place and he came to me. And somehow he helped me and I did a backflip. And then we were here at the front and I was like, Jesus, what was that about? And he said, you know what, Janine, in this season, in order for my love to become more mobile, my bride needs to become more flexible. I was like, wow. What does that look like, Jesus? And then he started showing me what flexibility looks like in the kingdom. And it looks like humility. It looks like shaking off religion, shaking off polarization, shaking off agendas, shaking off that old thing. You know, we keep saying it about the new thing, but we can't do the new thing if we keep wanting to bring old stuff into it. We've got to let it go. We've got to be flexible. We've got to have a new understanding of what um, true success looks like. You know, Mike Bickle, it's a great quote from Mike Bickle. He says, true success as a believer is knowing that you are fully loved by him and that you can fully love him. That's all. And I really believe that when the bride of Christ walks in her identity, radiant and glorious, with the deepest revelation of who she is, that she's loved by him, that she can surrender all to love him, then his love is going to be mobilized through her into the earth in a way that we've not seen yet. 
You know, I've been thinking about, um, I've been in John and it talks a lot about how we've been grafted into the vine and what does it look like to remain in him. And I've been really um, just meditating on those verses and I've been thinking, what about this year? Instead of having a whole bunch of New Year's resolutions that we're not going to stick to, instead of having our to-do list, instead of having a massive white inspirational board that we can chart out, what if we focus on the actual game plan this year being remaining in Him? That's it. Just remain in Him. How am I going to remain in you this year, Jesus? Because you are my lifeline. I can do nothing aside from that. And I really encourage you guys, even this week in your life groups or even in your homes, start just asking Holy Spirit, what does it look like to remain in Him this year? And you know, for me, you know, as I've come in this journey with Jesus, I, I really felt like the Father said, Janine, I really need you to just remain in me. Don't let the busyness distract you. You know, I, you don't have to be responsible for everything and everyone. I can handle it. What if you're going to be so in love with me this year that you're going to see um, incredible things happen just from a place of rest and love? What if I want you to just love your husband and love your family? And then, Janine, I want you to do a bunch of stuff, these things here, but it's really insignificant and no one's going to see it. And I'm like, okay, Jesus, I can do that. that. That's what remaining in you looks like this year. And a few weeks go by and I get a phone call and somebody says, hey, can you, can you speak at this or can you do this? And I'm like, wow, yeah, you know, this homeschooling thing is getting really boring now. Yeah, I'm going to do that. And, and I do it. And because God is so gracious and he's so merciful, he blesses it. And, you know, maybe people get saved or, I don't know, some miracles happen I'm dreaming. I, I love that. But then, at the, when it comes to eternity, and all those things are brought before the Lord, and it's put in the fiery furnace, it'll be nothing, because I haven't remained in Him when I did it. Everything needs to come from that place. So guys, I... I'm just in, so in love with Jesus, and I really want to pray for you all this morning that you would have a fresh encounter with our bridegroom this morning. And, and if you're at home, I would love you, or if you're here in the service, just to extend your hands out to receive. Put your hand on your heart, and I'm just going to pray over you. I'm going to pray an encounter over you. Father, my Jesus, my bridegroom, our one true love, I ask this morning that every person who is watching or listening to this, that they would fall in love with you this year in a way that they have never fallen in love with you before. Father, I pray that your bride would be recklessly abandoned would be so radicalized in their love for you. Father, that we would simplify our lives and that everything would come from a place of resting in you. Father, we pray that 
we would be able to know what it is to remain in you, to remain in your presence, and that it's only going to be from that place that lasting fruit is going to be birthed. Father, we just pray that this year is going to mark a shift where your bride will be so transfixed from you, more in love with you than ever before. I pray that we would be so filled with your goodness that your peace would just wash over us, that your love would transform us. I pray, Father, that you would supernaturally grow everything that you have called us to do this year. That as we remain in you, we're going to produce fruit that is lasting and true. Father, I pray that you're going to, as we're in love with you, that you're going to begin to miraculously do the impossible through every single person in our family. And Father, right now, as we just, as I finish, I pray for your tangible presence and encounter with your love to come and wash over every single person who's watching. In Jesus' name, amen.